Hello, and welcome to episode 191 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have a review of Rorschach 6 by DC Comics. Your creative team on Rorschach is Tom King, writer, Jorge Fornes on art, Dave Stewart on colors, and Clayton Clowes on letters. This is your spoiler alert for Rorschach's 1 through 6, HBO's Watchmen series from 2019, and the Watchmen series from 1986. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. So, uh, Noah, let's uh, let's talk about initial thoughts with this issue six, uh, the halfway point of this Rorschach series. Uh, initial thoughts are that, like, it's it sort of, the series hasn't stopped, uh, you know, just being incredibly intriguing, and the more we've find out about these characters and sort of their journey to the um the more we find out the better it gets it seems like like you know like i don't know that those are my initial thoughts but what about you yeah i i enjoyed it um you know it was it was interesting i figured out like a couple of pages in i was like oh this is how we're going to do the storytelling device it's going to be the detective going through the letters and the letters were sort of mirroring each other, sort of like we would get one from Laura, then we would get a reply from from Meyerson. So I enjoyed that a lot. And it was also sort of, uh, we, we got a state of the current world as well when the detective was walking around, um, you know, TV sets would be on with the, uh, the presidential de- debate or the, you know, some of the comments of the people around him. So, so I really like that. Um, and it was interesting that I, I realized probably about the second or third sort of sequence is like, oh, this is this is the the format of the book, and I'm I'm really enjoying this, and it's 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 a different way to sort of uh, tell the backstory is uh, is through him getting some personal letters. So again, we're sort of he's our vehicle through this, and as he's reading it, you know, it's the it's the magic of a comics. They're they're taking the the letters from those are the words from those, from those letters as the captions. And then sort of like, I'm, you know, we're kind of imagining like that's what he's seeing in his mind's eye as he's, he's reading it. And and we are as well. So I really enjoyed that. Yeah, me too. I I didn't realize, I mean, I just got so sucked into the story that I didn't really notice that it, it, it it transitions between the left page and left facing page and the right facing page or vice versa with the replies rarely ever do like this one letter bleed into the next one that's Mm -hmm. such a great design and then um like you said every once in a while we get that we get a page just to fill in the sort of the world of the political world of turley and redford which is just really great because you get a little bit more of that um alternate history stuff at one point with the and that, that sort of also maybe arises some questions about the um, state of the world after the Watchmen HBO mm-hmm. series, which is also really cool. And then, of course, we get this sort of new, like, you know, one thing I thought about right now is that um, the first Watchmen book has a lot of, like, historical events baked into it on, a, you know, and that's sort of what's great about it from, like, a historical, like, alternate history perspective is having that real history then having that divergent point in history where you create the alternate timeline and then um building off of that the watchman hbo series did that and they're sort of doing that right now with they did that earlier where they were sort of referencing like the u.s history of the people in colorado 
and I think was that like the fourth or fifth issue? I think that was the fourth, third, or maybe third or fourth issue. And um, but now we're kind of getting into like, I'm wondering if we're gonna get into like an alternate comic history, like more of that in the next issue, because that was something that was touched on briefly in the original graphic novel, Watchmen graphic novel. So I'm wondering if, you know, that's sort of where I think this issue sort of leading us, leaving us off is like the alternate comics history afterwards. Um, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, so that, let me ask you a question. And this is, this is my theory here is that Tom King was probably writing this during the time of uh, the, uh, the 2019 presidential debates leading up to 2020. And those were often sort of ridiculous. So I wonder how much of it was like, hey, you know, I have these ridiculous sort of debates happening on the US sort of political. Let me have a little bit of fun and like have two guys sort of debating and one guy's like, yeah, well, what about your relationship with with Dr. Manhattan? And so like, it's sort of, he has to answer those questions. So I wonder how much of like, you know, the state of the world. And he's like, oh, I can sort of build on like the ridiculousness of you know, this presidential debate where one candidate is, is cutting off the other one is, is being rude yeah. to the other one. Let me, let me amp up the, 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 you know, the superhero comic book world of it where one complains about one of the presidential candidates having a relationship with, with Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. And then there's the, uh, the one candidate that purely is driven, is trying to drive his votes up through fear, you know, mm -hmm. with the next squid attack. Right. Mm -hmm. So like there's the there's the Dr. Manhattan reference and then there's this our our, our the, the squid attack threat, which, again, is something that's been, you know, been been coming up a lot in this issue in this series. Um, since I think it was issue three when we got that backstory on Laura. A yeah. bit. Um, but yeah, it's sort of cool to see that. And then, of course, that, I, I can't remember. Dr. Manhattan came into the picture in issue four right when he met with the strong man that was the first time dr manhattan was brought up and um he's been brought up like since like uh like in he was brought up in five and i was brought up in six so i'm wondering if we're gonna have another sort of um it continuing in the vein of like of course the original watchman graphic novel and the watchman hbo series if we're gonna have a uh, dr manhattan sort of hand and things and i guess even doomsday clock had the dr manhattan thing so like you know if they're gonna stick to that formula or if it's just gonna sort of stay with rorschach um throughout this series yeah that that is interesting and you're right they've sort of i think the with the strongman issue that was sort of the biggest sort of manhattan uh thing where they sort of somebody referenced him here and then sort of we've seen him either referenced in the political debate or when the uh when the one candidate was talking about his vietnam service when he was with the comedian and sort of he saw dr manhattan talking to the comedian that that one point so yeah we're certainly it certainly seems like we're, we're building to something there yeah and I'm, I'm also wondering with uh not that i diverge completely but like uh you brought up sort of like the 2019 debates and i'm wondering how much king was tied in i mean like if he went back in and sort of like if he did the bulk of the narrative you know during 2019 so maybe he wasn't privy to what like damon lindelof was doing with the world of watchmen 
So he wrote like sort of the big plot points around there. And then like he can make a reference to Tulsa every once in a while Mm -hmm. and Redford being president. Like it was always going to be like a presidential election. And it was always going to be the, the liberal president going out and the conservative president possibly coming in kind of thing. Cause that just reflects our time. And um, he didn't know if it was going to be Redford or not until after the show, or if he did know about that detail. And where I'm going with this is if we're going to see the seventh cavalry show up in, in like in, in, in further issues, even though there's not been a reference made to them yet. Mm-hmm. Um, or if at this point it would kind of distract from the narrative to have something like that show up, unless they were planning on doing something bigger with it. Uh, because so much of what the seventh cavalry was, was based on like Rorschach's ideology and sort of white supremacy, the white supremacist sort of faction of that. Um, yeah, so that's something about, I, I was wondering about today when when it, when I was reading it and there was the, the dream that, the waking dream that Laura had where she was sitting in the church and she looked over and saw Citizen and uh, then the Rorschach mask. Mm-hmm. And um, that's something we've brought up a couple of times since the first issue is that like, what, what does the Rorschach mask represent in this society or this aspect of society? Um, maybe because it's not in the South all the time and mostly has been in New York or, you know, uh, the Southwest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, I'll be interested to see if that ever makes uh, that that ever becomes a factor in the storyline. Yeah, um, that would be interesting. And I wonder, um, obviously, when you're creating art, you're influenced by uh, events that are, are going on around you. So you would have to think uh, the maybe if the Seventh Cavalry does come in to play in this book. Um, depending on how much of it is sort of set in stone with the outline, if there would be something similar with the seventh cavalry in the events that we had in the U S on January 6th, like, you know, borrowing, borrowing from the real world. Um, So let's just uh, go into the issue a little bit. We, we sort of start off with uh, a a page of Laura's sort of uh, state of being where she decides to start writing uh, Meyerson and then we go to Meyerson at his drawing table, um, sort of reading the letter um, and deciding to, to write back. So um, here early on, we established the, the, the back and forth in, in the letters. We don't actually know that they're letters just yet um, that they're communicating through, which we find out here on the third page. Uh, the detective goes down um, saying that he's got a package um, and goes back to his room. Um, what did you think about maybe the, the the first three pages of this book? I thought, well, so one of the things like just on a technical level is that I, I don't think we really talked about how brilliant um, Dave Stewart's colors are in this mm-hmm. book. Um, I love the green tint of the, of the first page and sort of like we, we talk about a lot, like how it's always cool to see how different locations and times are sort of defined by their colors. Yeah. So Laura always has a, uh, a greenish yellowish tint to her um, storyline and then Meyerson's is always sort of like a neutral uh, beige orange color to his um, they complement each other really well and it's again it's just easy to keep track of and then you sort of have the more neutral uh, beige like you know colors of um, of the detective's world yeah uh, which is great but it also I think we talked about this at the beginning of the series is that how something similar happened in the original Watchmen series where everything was like secondary colors, like purples and yellows. 
And um, that made the primaries pop more. So like Manhattan's blue, like blood red, that kind of stuff, like really pops off the page when it comes in. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the same with the here, where it's like when Manhattan showed up in issue four and just like that dream sequence, like he really popped off the page or when it's like really violent in this book, like blood really like stick out. Or even like just in this book in, in general, like when there's any kind of like overly saturated colors, like in the last issue with the, the yellow smiley face, it really stands out. So I, I really appreciate Dave Stewart's design there. Um, yeah, it was really cool. And uh, but I, I love, yeah, I love these three pages. And then also the um, on a story perspective, this is sort of the first hint that someone is following his investigation that he's not aware of because someone left him a package full of all these letters mm -hmm. um, and we don't know who. No. Um, the, the, the note card says that it's from, from Carrie um, and that there's oh, going to okay. be, there's going to be more to follow, but we don't know who Carrie is at this point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, that's that's coming up after he opens opens the package um, and starts going through the through the letters um, that we, that we see the little note card um, stating that it's from from Carrie. Um, I one of the pages that I really liked and it's it's very simple was the way that we sort of did the 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 pacing of Myerson drawing uh, the citizen at yeah. the you know it's the sort of the the construction of the figure are actually the construction of the head and then sort of the outlining of the figure. And then we get, we get more detail. Um, you know, it's nine panel grid. It's sort of uh, a passage of time, sort of like step, step, step. I, I, I really enjoyed that. But um, what did you think about that uh, page for his page design? I really love it. And I love how maybe there's some like, uh, I guess if you wanted, if I, I don't like it's sort of hard to sort of get meta with it now like uh like without really thinking through what I'm going to say but it is kind of a very meta thing as well you know um like a character sort of drawing maybe who like is something that's like the extension of who he is right you know mm -hmm. so it's like a character without a face so like he sort of has no identity and then like Rorschach's mask will sort of be that identity when it comes on so like he's like drawing himself in this moment uh i don't know that's like the meta thing that i can pull right now without like being too inconsistent but i'm sure that there's like if we go back and uh, at the end of this series and go through and try to find all the motifs and uh running themes that'll be a big moment to sort of like be like this is a clear illustration of where myerson is at as a character yeah i agree um and just sort of a comic book artist drawing the hands of a comic book artist drawing, you know, a character. I, I wonder if uh, Jorge was able to sort of collect his hand to use as reference as, as he was, as yeah. he was doing it. So that would be pretty cool. Um, That's some Escher stuff right there. <laughs> so you how you phrased it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you, you had mentioned this earlier um, that, that one of the, the pages we see after that is, is Laura at the church um, and the citizen coming up next to her and, and leaving the Rorschach mask, which is then sort of a uh, counterpoint of uh, Myerson as a young kid um, explaining his love for, for Mary Shelley's uh, Frankenstein. 
um, and then he sees something that he's not quite as sure was there. So they sort of, again, are mirroring each other, um, you know, things that uh, are coming there and, and visiting them that they're not sure of actually are visiting them. Um, so, so what did you think about the, you know, this, uh, these two stories sort of intertwining with each other? I think it's great. There's like this nice symmetry between both pages. And I think maybe in the trade, it'll be a little more obvious, I mm -hmm. guess, but like they, 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 they really complement each other. Well, like they're, they're, they, they kind of do, they're not, they're not mirroring each other, but they're just sort of like, you can just sort of lay them over each other and they kind of have this nice, uh, this nice symmetry. Um, yeah. You're it's not right. like the fearful symmetry issue where like everything is reflected. Like when Dave Gibbons did that in Watchmen, mm -hmm. it's yeah, but it is, it is like you can overlay these two and their, their composition matches up. Yeah, you're right. The, 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 the panel layout is exactly the same um, on, on these two. And when, when they're in a trade without the, uh, the, the ad breaking them up, they'll be facing each other. So that's going to be pretty great. Yeah. So um, from here, we, we, uh, we do a sort of, uh, as the two are still corresponding, um, they sort of go through a traumatic event. Um, you know, it's Laura with her father sort of still training her as, as a child um, and, and, you know, sort of drilling, uh, you know, his sort of philosophies into her. And then that sort of... Um, mirrored with um, Myerson as a young kid. And he is uh, talking about the, uh, um, the, the time that his father closed the, the window. Um, and do they mention who this is or do they just, do they just allude to it? Mention who, uh, who was killed? Yeah. When he, yeah, so when, let me see. They, they say uh, pity Janet, Genevieve's murder. That's who it was. The Kitty yeah. Genevieve's murder. And I don't know, I haven't Googled that name if there's any significance to it. But basically, yeah, his dad saw that a woman was being attacked outside their building and it was Kitty Genevieve's. He just closed the window and didn't do anything about it um, because he just said, uh, um, you know, he, he, uh, what was it he said it wasn't their business it was a problem with the city and with society or the whole world mm -hmm. um is what he said so it was this apathetic look at how the system is that you know it's just it's just how things are and you can't do anything about it so there's this guy who kind of we've we've seen him be repressed up until this point but they're sort of both of them are just sort of bonding over this traumatic experience and sort of this desire to do something about the state of the world albeit in a very unhealthy way. Um, and it's sort of interesting, like how, uh, this is only like one issue, but like how they build, like you understand their foundations of their relationship right from the start mm -hmm. and sort of like just how unhealthy it is, like right from the beginning and how they like both give into these just dark desires by the end of the book. Yeah. Um, and, uh, under the guise of like trying to be friendly to each other. Uh, it's it's really messed up, but really compelling. Yeah, the the Kitty Genovese thing is is a real world event that happened, and it was very very similar to 
um, what is described here by Myerson's oh, really? uh, father, um, only sort of to be amplified that it was it was a number of people heard the the screams and cries and they just they just didn't do anything and they're sort of apathetic to the to the struggle of you know somebody you know outside their window is sort of like you know this is uh, you know again sort of not quite the way the the father put it but it's sort of like this is like new york this is sort of like the the machine of everything and that's you know that's outside of our walls that's sort of not our problem so that's that's something that that's a real world event that's wow, depicted that's depicted very you know very closely to what happens here only that you know we're only seeing it as this perspective of inside the the myers myerson's home um but it happened you know when the i think when the police go, you know, a number of people admit to hearing the screams, hearing the cries for help and just not, not doing anything. So yeah, that's, that's uh, incorporating a real world event into, you know, into the story here. That's really, that's, that's really interesting. And, uh, and, but also again, that's just, uh, it's just so tragic, but it's, it's sort of like we talked about, that's just sort of what Watchmen is though. It's like, highlighting the tragic and the tragedy and trauma of history mm -hmm. and making that sort of the motivation for a lot of the characters in the book that's um that's some good writing yeah so after that the detective is sort of going around and trying to to bribe the the hotel staff to try to figure out more about this um delivery of the letters and and who 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 um delivered the letters he he talks to the uh you know the the person at the front desk. Um, and then later we see that he's gets access to sort of the video footage. Um, but what they show us is just a silhouette of whoever would have left the letter. So we don't know anything much like the detective here of who that was. Um, and continuing from that, um, I guess he goes to the parking attendant and, the, and, and gets uh, some stubs of the people um, that would have come in around that time. So he's trying to still piece out who um, who brought him these letters. Um, and, and it seems like he's putting some of the pieces together, but he's not getting a an answer uh, just yet. Yeah, and yeah, did you notice that the the security guard watching the um, that he sort of bribed in order to watch the video cameras is holding like a miniature TV with like an antenna on it? Mm -hmm. So it's not like a phone. It's like a an actual tele, like miniature television with like a bench on the back and everything, just to highlight sort of like in that in that alternate timeline, like the TV show. No one has cell phones. They have like beepers, but like they still have things that like they carry around with them. So like, it's not like a internet using device. It's like a TV, an actual TV. But that was a cool bit of world building right there. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is sort of like the the fear of radiation from, you know, high tech items, um, you know, from man, you know, going back to Watchmen, where you know, Manhattan is sort of um, ambushed on that uh, TV show where you know the the person comes out and says you know the radiation that he's been giving off is is making them ill. So uh, this is sort of continuing continuing that like they they almost have like you know like 1983 1986 technology here in, in in 2020 they don't have you know everybody doesn't have an iphone in their pocket with with google which in a way makes you know telling a detective story 
a lot easier when everybody doesn't have access to to all the information in the world almost up to the second with a with a smart computer in their phone or in their in a yeah. smart computer in their pocket and i never thought about that that's sort of the brilliance about the hbo show too where she has to go and find um you know the evidence about um about will reeves being her dad her her ancestor like she has to go to the museum like get a dna test all that stuff like she can't just google things like that right and so that's yeah that's so cool um yeah that's brilliant and that that's sort of what makes that show so much more watchable like uh, just with that knowledge and more interesting yeah that's Mm -hmm. such a good point man i didn't think about it that way yeah i've heard like i've heard like mystery writers say that like everybody having a smartphone in their pocket makes it really difficult to tell uh you know a suspense story when you know you could just you know here in, in in the world we live in just pull your phone out and track down some pretty reliable information in in the matter of seconds yeah exactly all right so, so much sense so the detective is is sort of still on the um on the case of trying to to figure out who got these letters to him um but from there we do a a page where um laura is describing um an event where she sort of took action on somebody who was was abusing somebody uh, which is then sort of um, Myerson writing back, but the violence they show is depicted through his um, his pirate car or his pirate comic. Um, so again, we're reflecting sort of violence and trauma. One being something you know somebody did uh, in 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 sort of the events of their life, and then Myerson's is sort of shown through his you know, silhouettes of his the violence and, and trauma that he's shown through, through the, the, through the comics he's created. Yeah. And I'm just realizing now with the exception of those pages that we highlighted with uh, Frankenstein and the citizen after that, every page where it alternates between Laura and Meyerson is symmetrical mm-hmm. where they do reflect each other. And this one, that's no more prevalent than on these pages right here where they do reflect perfectly almost. Um, on the symmetrical, like Rorschach, basically, level. Yeah. And here it becomes more Rorschach-like because it's all black and white, you know? Everything's in silhouette. It's just really cool. And they keep their they keep their tones where Laura's is the, uh, the, the more of the yellowish. Um, it it blends a little bit into sort of the, the oranges of, of Myerson's. And then his is more all orange, but they're, they're still, even though we got a silhouette, we're still staying with uh sort of the color schemes for for each person yeah i love that and then i'm I, i'm i'm really kind of disappointed that like the ads sort of break up the symmetry of a lot of the pages and i'm wondering how it'll look in trade mm-hmm. um but these i'm so glad that we're able to see them facing each other in the next two as well yeah you're right so after that sequence we get two pages of three wide uh panels you know a third of the page uh laura and her car committing uh, suicide and that's sort of um opposed with with myerson at an early uh, illustration job where he's just sort of uh, in a factory of, of other artists sort of just turn and churning out and he's talking about how he has to do backgrounds pencils and sort of stuff like that he's just like a clog 
in, in the machine where, you know, eventually he's sort of going to graduate to having sort of his own studio and his own apartment. But here he's, he's early on. I would say that uh, Laura, Laura's struggles here are a little bit more difficult than his are. Yeah. And both of them sort of have these like metaphorical, like crisis of character, crisis of, you know, identity crisis, basically, you know, mm -hmm. um, Laura's obviously just because she was just had so much put on her uh, to be sort of stand out and, you know, save the world and all that stuff, like things children should never go through and stuff like that. And to fight against the machine, her whole life had those pressures on her. And then like Meyerson had the pressures of being a part of that machine and just sort of being grinded up and processed um, by the system. Uh yeah, that that's it's incredibly fascinating, and um, he's uh, he's most at his Ditko on this page, like most at his like Spider Man Ditko in the book, um, right here when he's sitting at the desk, it seems. So since you made the Ditko reference, um, I think one thing that was was interesting was Ditko did have a lot of correspondence with with fans yeah. uh, that would write him letters. Now he wouldn't have been as eloquent when he wrote them back. He would have <laughs> wrote, you know, he would have wrote them back more like, you know, um, in sort of an on Rondian sort of objectivism, like do it yourself. Don't don't uh, you know? Don't be so worried about what I'm doing. Do you know? You, you might like my Spider-Man comic, but make the make the comic that uh, you want to make and, and makes you happy. Um, so I think that was interesting that there is, and you know, it's oftentimes on the internet, you'll see some of the correspondence, but there is sort of a history of, uh, you know, Ditko being one of the uh, uh, more frequent uh, comic book artists to, to, to reply to those, to those fan letters that he would get. So, so that's pretty neat here. Yeah, and I was going to bring up when the Pontius Pirate page, when he's talking about sort of what he wanted the character to be and then what he evolved into being, mm -hmm. is very similar to what Ditko said about Spider-Man. And sort of what people assume to be the reason why he left Spider-Man is that Stan wanted to keep Peter Parker as sort of the relatable, beaten down character that he always has been and always will be. And Ditko eventually wanted him to evolve into this like objectivist, you know, fountainhead like character you know mm -hmm. like he wanted him to become like a god you know that like does like that that sort of um higher being that sort of looks down on everyone that you're supposed to be for an objectivist where you just do everything for yourself mm -hmm. um and uh so that's sort of that that's sort of a that's like a, a like a a very prevalent theory in, in like the world of like his, comics history and i don't even know that much but i know that like so while i was reading that i was like oh this is kind of like what spider-man was supposed to be just of course in this alternate history it's pirates instead of superheroes um, yeah yeah so i think this next uh actually so we talked about uh myerson at the drawing board in the factory so i think this next page is the page that we're going to maybe talk the most about uh, oh yeah <laughs> so the detective gets in his car um and he puts the seance tape uh, we the seance tape was brought to us in issue one, right? I think so. Yeah, issue one. Uh, and again, sort yep. of pointing to having 1986 technology, uh, he has a tape deck in, in his car, so he's able to play it. Um, and there's a number of people 
um, that were that um, were at this uh, the seance. Um, and did we get all the names in issue one? Yeah, I think we did. Um, but it's sort of interesting. So, like, yeah, Auto Binder was one, obviously. Uh, Myerson and then, as yeah, well. Myerson and Frank Miller were the other ones, yeah. And the fact that sort of the it, it's the way the word balloon is is shown at the end um it's 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 in a different format but it looks like it's somebody speaking but like it repeats it's you know so we get the importance of frank miller's name uh repeated nobody else's name is is, is repeated um so that's that's where we sort of end right now with the um with the with the detective as he's in his car um we cut to to laura and her car um traveling down the road um that's a single page uh car driving away from us to uh, towards a you know a vanishing point on the horizon uh which is just sort of followed by a full page of of myerson sitting in his really nice studio looking at his art um, and they're, they're, they're corresponding again. Um, but, uh, what we, um, what we're, what we're seeing is, is that Laura is on her way to, to meet up with Myerson, which we knew earlier on that they, you know, come together from those earlier issues where he sort of dons the, the, the Rorschach mask. Um, so we have two, uh, full page, uh, single page splashes with a lot of the the captions being from the letters. Um, what did you think about uh, these two things here? Yeah, I love how they're basically fully like Rorschach paintings, like mm -hmm. in, in, in composition wise, like you can draw like, you know, like the clouds are like perfect, like almost like mirror each other. And yeah. then the art kind of mirrors itself too. Um, but I, I love the, um, it's just great, great storytelling and like the word balloons being on the opposite sides of each other um, is great. But I, well, what I love is um, when they um, intercut between the detective walking up to the house and Laura at the door and Myerson answering the door. I love those blank spaces, mm -hmm. you know, the, that white space that really makes you stop, right? You know, like it, it breaks up the, the, the time of it right so you don't speed through like there's just sort of this nice like i don't know it's just such a cool design device to have that blank space and then you know a beat of a comic and then another blank space and then of course the final panel it, it just sort of it's just got this great rhythm to it that is so um it makes the ending the, the, the last panel land so well yeah, so um, going back to the detective listening to the seance tape, uh, you know, they mentioned that um, Otto Bender's uh, house is in Chestertown, New York. So that makes us assume that when he pulls up to this house, that that's where he is. Um, and this page is sort of intercut of the detective walking up uh, to, to this house and, and Laura being at... Um, um Myerson's door and knocking so she's she's there uh to go in and he's there to go in um he knocks on the door 
And then, then we go, we flip to the last page where uh, the first panel there is as a character is, uh, with his back towards us, uh, we see the back of his head in shadow. Um, he's watching the debates. Um, and then we have Laura and Myerson looking at each other. We shift back to sort of that um, Myerson tone of you know, the, the, the oranges. Then the reveal of the person sitting on the couch where the detective is, is knocking is, is wearing a Rorschach mask um, only to end the book with um, Laura and, and Myerson hugging uh, in a panel that doesn't have any background. So we, again, we don't focus on anything other than sort of their embrace. Um, and that's where we end six. But now we have a little bit more, you know, the, the tape going in and sort of the seance tape was like, oh, okay, what's going on here? So now we have this page we are sort of like, all right, what's going on here? So what do you think is going uh, on here? I don't know. Like all I know is how I'm feeling. It's just so unsettling. It's just uh, it's almost horrifying, like ending, like ending there. It's like, you have like you almost like a double take on that panel like it like it's like the comic equivalent of a double take where you're like wait a minute uh just wasn't expecting this to happen so soon but at the same time it's halfway through the series and that's just like how compelling the story is that i got distracted by just how the story was going that i didn't think like oh we're halfway through yeah it's time for the big midway reveal mm -hmm. you know and uh yeah i, I just I have no idea what's going on. I kind of am just sort of happy to be in this place of just being in shock. And yeah, like you said earlier when I texted you, you were like, yeah, like you, you said it, like it's just shocking, you know? So, um, yeah, so that was making me think about the, the, the fact that we're reading this in single issues and we are mm -hmm. going to have to wait 30 days. Um, somebody reading the trade is going to be like, oh, who is that? And they're going to be able to, to flip the page and find out. So this yeah. is almost like the they're filling us with like 30 days of dread where like somebody that's, yeah. that's reading it in a trade is going to have the, if they want to, they're going to have the satisfaction of, of just continuing the story. Um, but you know what? If this breaks down into six issues for a trade, six issues for, for the, the second set, for, for a trade, you're gonna get, uh, it'll still hit with that same sort of like, oh, I read six issues I'm, and then you're gonna like, oh, I gotta wait two months for the next six issue volume to come out. I, I'm assuming that it'll come out as a, as a 12 issue hardcover, but there's still gonna be a, a bit of that, oh, I have to wait to see what happens. Yeah, I'll be interested to get, uh, I'll get whatever they give us, but it's, it's such a good series. Um, yeah, that's a very good point. And I'm I'm definitely going to be on the edge of my seat until the next issue for the next 30 days because it's it hurts too much uh, right now. Um, <laughs> uh, but what do you who do you think it is? Do you think do you have an idea? Do you think it's like Frank Miller or Otto Binder under the mask? So the the fact that Frank Miller's name was repeated twice, I think yeah. they're just I think they're just trying to throw us off. They're trying to get us excited that us, you know, people that are into comic books way too much are going to see the mask come off and we're going to see <laughs> Frank Miller. I, I don't I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, so could it could it be. It's 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 uh, well, it, 
you would think it's one of four things, right? Otto Binder, Frank Miller, the person who left the letters for him, or is it is it possibly just some Seventh Cavalry lunatic that's doesn't want him getting too close to solving solving the case? Um, and figured yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. But then, how would that guy know that he had put the the seance tape in at that moment to? Um, and then you know, who, who, who is creepy and weird enough to watch a presidential debate in the in the comfort of their own home in a trench coat and a in a Rorschach mask, like? So somebody's obviously waiting for him. So yeah, and the detective knows who it is because he sent in the address and everything like that. So it's got to be someone from the seance, I guess. Like that's got to be what the next issue is about. I'm hoping that's what it is. That's that's my one prediction is that issue seven's got to be the seance from everyone's like someone's perspective of who was there as like why it was happening. You know. Okay, so I think early on when we were reading the first couple of issues, I threw out the crazy theory that Alan Moore was going to show up. What yeah. happens if he pulls the mask off and it's a crazy old British man with, uh, you know, big bushy long hair just talking about chaos magic and all that kind of stuff? Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> be so cool. But at the same time, like, if one thing WandaVision has taught me is that, like, like we've got to separate ourselves from our theories and then like, you know, what we expect. Uh, but I don't think this, this book hasn't disappointed me yet. So I'm no. not going to be like, you know, I don't think whatever it comes, I think I'll be great. Uh, but, um, Oh dang it. I had a prediction. I thought of one right now. And then I was like, Oh crap. Oh yeah. So the one thing about Frank Miller being under the mask is that Frank Miller is an objectivist as well. Um, and sort of like the Dark Knight books are sort of his love letter to Ayn Rand and her philosophies and stuff like that. So Dark Knight Returns is an exploration of objectivist ideology. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some good videos out there sort of breaking it down. And that doesn't mean that they're bad or they're like white supremacists. It's sort of like there's sort of this moral grayness to the books that Frank Miller brings and that he never really was like, so into it like Steve Ditko was where like Ditko thought it was like you know you're like you know if you're not this way you're wrong Frank Miller is a little more liberal than that Mm -hmm. um but like uh, still pretty like on the edge of like you know being an Ayn Rand follower um so it it would make sense if it was Frank Miller because Frank Miller is into that stuff um in real life so if if it's approached that way, like that version of Frank Miller, that'd be great. But at the same time, it's kind of hard to put someone who's alive and still working for DC and then associate them with like a very alt-right point of view um, and philosophy uh, that they may or may not all like realistically subscribe to. Um, that's sort of the big thing. Uh, like, so they may not want to do that with Frank Miller. Or Tom King might just be bold enough to do it. Who knows? Well, Tom King has been at conventions and and things with with Frank Miller. So there's a possibility that he could have been like, hey, Frank, are you you okay with this? And, you know, maybe he's just like, 
I just want to see, I like to see things go haywire and, 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 you know, just, <laughs> just mess with people. So let's, let's go ahead and do it. So that he had the possibility to sort of clear it with him if he was thinking yeah. about it back, you know, at, at any point. Yeah. Frank Miller was like, Hey, I drew Superman with an erection five years ago. Uh, and for that was for the cover of my first book. So yeah, I'm okay with it, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, I, it, it's, it's possible. And yeah, like we said, they, he, you would have to think that Tom King would have the ability to sort of approach the, the, the subject with them so that like, He's not blindsided that, uh, hey, we're going to make you Rorschach in, in the book. Get ready for everybody tweeting at you and stuff like that. So, yeah, we can only hope. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, so, I think that was a, a pretty good review. We're, we're halfway through. Um, I, I have, uh, I've been enjoying it. And, and right now, I, I'm dying to know who's, who's under that mask. Uh, so, yeah. Now, the, what happens if, for some reason at seven they do something where they don't they don't address it for for a little bit like we we flash to like uh uh like a laura like well even when we do have like the laura flashbacks we we still have the detective character there as our vehicle to to either like through a journal or through letters or, or police files to lead it through so we haven't had an issue where they've just sort of totally dropped us out of the detective sort of moving the storyline along. So we probably won't get that where they don't, you would think they would have to address it in the next issue. Or they're going to do like a deep throat thing where the guy's just not going to take his mask off, you know, and um, we could have the start of a cat and mouse game from here on out, you know, um, yeah. that could be also the issue where it's uh Yeah. That was something I just thought of right now because I thought of seven issue seven. I was like, oh, what if it's like seven where like they get to the apartment and then they just end up like on a foot chase with the the serial killer, you know? Um, I don't think that's what it's going to be because it seems like this guy wanted the detective to be there, mm -hmm. but also if he wanted him to be there, maybe he's just there to deep throat it, and then you know, then it will be like a cat and mouse game as trying to figure out who this guy is. Yeah, um, and so if like he's someone that. Laura converted or if it's like another Rorschach copycat of some sort. Or if this person doesn't unmask in seven and then a Rorschach unmask like later, how can we ever be sure that the person that was in seven that never unmasked, if he unmasked in 10, we can never be sure that they were, were the same person. So. Yeah. Just the, the, the uh, back to the uh, identity crisis right there. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, I think that's going to do it. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty excited uh, for, for what's coming next. And uh, when seven comes out, we'll, we'll break that down as well. So um, do you have any uh, final thoughts before we close up or did we cover everything in the review? I think we covered everything and I'm just going to rip off everything you're saying and I'm <laughs> just excited. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So we'd like to thank everybody for listening. If you give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you use, we really appreciate it. If you want to follow the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at Construct Com Pod. Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod and Facebook is Constructing Comics. Uh, we'll have links to the social media in the show notes. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Uh, please be nice, be safe to each, uh, be safe uh, and go out there and make some comics. Thank you.